Hello, everyone. My name is Kayla. And I'm Steph. And welcome to the Witch Story Podcast. For our regular listeners, welcome back to episode 13, my lucky number 13. And it also happens to be our season finale. I've been waiting a while to do this episode. And if I may brag a little, this has definitely been one of my favorite episodes to record. And I know that for Steph as well. As you may know, each episode of Witch Story discusses a different story of a historic witch trial or witch tale, and today we have one of my dearest friends in the world as our guest. I'd like to give a warm welcome to Warda, who will be telling us stories today of the idea of witches from Pakistan, the country she was born in. Warda has put together some stories for us today to shed light on the similarities and differences surrounding the concept of witch lore. Some got a little too spooky and gave Steph and I chills running up our back. So if you are interested in some fun stories or learning a little about her culture, then grab a tea, sit back, and enjoy. Let's begin. Good morning and welcome, Warda. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm good. Drinking some coffee. It's been a good morning so far. (laughs) I'm super excited, kind of nervous. Most excited. Everyone's always a little nervous their first time recording, but I'm happy you're excited. This is going to be a super fun episode. Let's start by telling our guests a little bit about yourself, Warda. Sure. So like you said, my name is Warda. I've known Kayla for upwards of 15 15 years, Um, and she's one of my best friends. I was inspired by to travel a lot by her and her travels because ever since we were young she's been super brave traveled like to so many countries and solo at that and yeah so just um learning all the tips and tricks from her I was super inspired um and I've been a flight attendant for the past three years coming on to four years now I was born in Pakistan in Lahore Pakistan and I lived there for around four or five years and moved between Pakistan and Saudi Arabia. And then finally in 1999, we moved to Canada and that's about it. And ever since Kayla and Steph started this podcast, I've been an avid listener and I just love hearing all these stories about witchcraft and witch trials and stuff. And I wanted to contribute and give my South Asian take on witch stories. So here I am. Yes, and that is exactly why we want you on our podcast, because we feel that everyone always has this Western idea of what a witch is, you know, the whole pointy hat, green skin on a broomstick idea of what a witch is, but that is just the Western idea of it, and obviously there was so much more different cultures in the world who have their own kind of ideas of what a witch is and their own folklores. So we are super, super happy to be able to talk about that with you today. I know growing up, Werda always had stories from home to share, and it's really interesting seeing the differences, but also similarities from our culture. So today, we are here to learn and leave all of our Western views at the door, because Everything, as you see, will be a different interpretation of 
what a quote-unquote witch is or what our folktales are compared to Warda's. So before we begin to talk about folktales, Warda, can you tell us a little bit more about Pakistan and the country itself for our listeners? Sure. So Pakistan gained independence from India in 1947. So at first it was just India and it was ruled by the British and the British kind of so they had the divide and conquer strategy so they kind of made the Muslims and the Hindus butt heads and there was a lot of minorities that were caught in between too and yeah so there was a civil war that began there and eventually the two countries divided And funny enough, it was actually a British lawyer who never even set foot in South Asia who created the border between Pakistan and India, but they kept this hidden so that the British wouldn't be blamed for dividing the people like this and inciting so much violence and hate and killing and whatever. So Pakistan's been its own country since 1947, and there's actually a lot of different ethnic groups and religions. I think there's like 42 languages spoken in the country. Um, and there's lots of history, art, culture. And with that comes a lot of folklore and, you know, lots of stories. And personally, I'm from the Punjab region of Pakistan. So I grew up in Lahore um, and I speak Urdu and Punjabi, which are one of the main languages spoken there. There's also like many other different ones. So that's just a brief overview That was good. I know it's hard to sum up an entire country's history into a little podcast introduction, but that was very well said. I'm sure a lot of us haven't even heard much about the history of Pakistan in the first place. So thank you. I know this next question might be a little hard, but were there any major cultural differences that you've noticed from Pakistan and Canada? I know there's a lot, but anything that has stood out for you? Uh, It's hard to say. I would say... There's so many probably. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) So my views on Pakistan, oddly enough, are very different from what it is currently. Because when you are transplanted at such a young age, your experiences and your views on the country kind of remain static to whatever the time period that you left was in. So weirdly enough, when I went back last year, it was kind of a culture shock to see how westernized it has become. Everything that's kind of the norm here is like pretty much over there. But, you know, my experience is also limited to just the big city. Lahore is a very big city in Pakistan. But Mm -hmm. as far as cultural differences, there's a lot of things that are hard to stray away from. A main one is that it's a very like male dominated society. So there's still a lot of work to be done as far as women's rights go. And so I'm very proud to see that a lot of Pakistani people are working towards giving women a much more prominent place in Pakistan and like arts, media, culture, whatever. Yeah. And it's, I would say it's, I think the biggest thing to answer your question, sorry, I'm kind of talking in circles. No, go ahead. Is that it's a bit more like conservative and traditional. So um, when I went there, there's like certain things you can't wear. And because it isn't, is a Muslim country, you can't, you know, dress too revealing. And, you know, there's subtle 
cues that you have to follow, such as you wouldn't engage in any physical contact with a male or someone from the opposite gender that's not like a direct family member. So just like, I guess just things like that you have to be mindful of. So Yeah. yeah. I just want to relate it a little bit, not to the same extent, but I feel like in Europe, obviously you're allowed to wear a bikini and that's fine and everything. And I think in Canada and America, it's all right to wear whatever. But I saw back in Poland and the rest of Europe that if you're going to a grandparent's house or to a church or something, you're not going to wear a tank top. You're covering your shoulders and you are dressing more modestly. So I do see that that's something that is in other cultures as well. Especially when it's like, a biblical culture because I re- I relate like Christians, Judaism, and Islam. They're all technically biblical, right? Because they all stem mm-hmm. from the same source. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of all of that basically the the culture around modesty is very important. Like mm-hmm. it it also just depends on how like orthodox you are and how strict you are and stuff like that. Like especially like because I'm from Montreal. Mm-hmm. And my grandpa, he or he grew up around Outremont, and Outremont, that area is very populated by Ashkenazi and Orthodox Jews, and they mm-hmm. dress extremely modestly. And women mm-hmm. are never seen outside at nighttime mm-hmm. by themselves; they're only seen during the day with another man or with a group of other women. So yeah, it's just, I guess, Western people that don't really claim to be religious see it as misogyny. And -hmm. I don't think that's really correct just because people still choose to live this way. It's their choice ultimately, right? So if you want to live that way, then that is completely up to you and you have the right to do so. And it's not only Islam that does this, it's many other religious sects that do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We also do understand, however, that there are some countries where they're given no choice but to dress modestly according to the law in countries where they're regulated by a single religion, where the law is linked with religious order. This is where women do not have a choice and may be punished according to those laws. Some women do agree with these laws because of religious beliefs and some don't, all depending on their freedom of belief. And we acknowledge that here at Witch Story and we just want to make sure you know that this is a safe space and everyone is accepted. But we still understand that some places and some countries do not have the freedom to choose. What we are trying to say is that the women who do have the right to choose sometimes do choose modesty still. Yeah, And they've come a long way and now a lot of people do recognize that it's a woman's right to mm-hmm. exercise whatever level of modesty she chooses to. But on a more positive and lighthearted note, I think <laughs> one big difference I see is that in Pakistan, families are very, like, it's very family oriented. So the norm there is big houses with multi-generational families living Mm -hmm. there it's very normal for like a house to have not apartments within the house but kind of like different wings of the house are occupied by like smaller families so you'll Mm -hmm. like it's it's common to live with like your aunts and uncles or your grandparents and your cousins and 
yeah, that's something that you don't really see here a lot. So yeah. yeah. And I think that that's beautiful. I think that that's awesome just because like I grew up being pretty separate from my family. So seeing that is awesome. And like, I do see it sometimes here and people here in the Western world think it's odd, Mm -hmm. but I think that that's a really beautiful concept to always be close to them in some way like that and to care for each other, especially elders, right? Yeah, I love knowing that there's always going to be someone there to take care of you. Here, I feel like everyone wants a big house with five bedrooms and everyone gets their own bedroom or two bedrooms, what have you. What I don't understand sometimes is when you have a baby, people put the baby in its own room with its own crib. I don't understand why the baby's not allowed to stay in the same room as you. That's how it's been throughout history, right? Yeah. It's so different here. (laughs) I know. And like, that's so funny because when we look for a house, my partner's like, we should look for one that, I don't know, three or four rooms. And I'm like, well, the baby's going to stay in our room for like its first two years or one year, whatever. And he was so confused with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that normal? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy how like when you're raised from different perspectives or backgrounds, what's weird to you and what's not. It's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Not that oh, yeah. his opinion is wrong at all, but it, it was just like funny to see that difference (laughs) yeah there's definitely no right or wrong like I mean go ahead if you can afford a huge house for 10 kids and each kid gets their own bedroom by all means great go ahead (laughs) but if you also at the same time want to raise a child if they're in a crib and have them in your own room and also take care of your grandparents and have them help you take care of your their grandchildren then that's totally amazing too I just think that if you choose to do it one way, you shouldn't hate somebody else for their way of doing it, you know? I agree with that. But Werda, I'm just going to circle back to when you mentioned that your views as a child are pretty static because you did move at such a young age. And I totally understand that. Um, And I also think that for people who move at such a young age, you can either have really, really amazing memories because all you know is a fun childhood in that area. And I also know that sometimes people, for example, if you are a refugee, you might have PTSD and think of the country that you moved from as a very negative experience and you don't want to go back. But my question is... Do you have any like cherished memories or a favorite memory from when you were a child there in Pakistan? Oh, yeah. Um, I would say flying kites on the roof because over there the roofs are all flat. So you can just like chill on the roof and you can see your neighbors in the distance and everyone would just fly kites and they'd, I guess, have little like battles with their kites where you try to cut the other person's kite strings with your own. And they would get pretty intense. So yeah, <laughs> that's cute. That's something that I miss. It was super cute. Like all there would always be kites just like dotting the sky. But I guess this is one of the things that I was like shocked to see. They don't do that anymore over there at all. And oh. I was so upset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So apparently people started getting way too into it and they'd start like coating the kite strings <laughs> with like fiberglass or like broken glass oh my God. so that they would like cut the other person's kite string easier. But it started to like 
slash people's throats or whatever. And yeah, anyway, they banned kites. So, oh my goodness. Well, that escalated quickly. Jesus. (laughs) Very sad to see. Very sad to see. Also, another childhood memory that I really miss doing this is just like running to the corner stores with my cousins and getting snacks and stuff and going on little adventures. But nowadays, like when I went back recently, if I said I wanted anything like a drink or whatever, they'd be like, Oh, just order out on food Panda. So food Panda is like their Uber eats. All everyone does is order food to their houses. And I'm like, why are you guys like this? (laughs) I guess that's the norm here too. But I'm like, so nobody wants to go outside to do anything, but yeah. Oh, so. we used to always go to the convenience store by your place. I remember. To oh, get yeah. oh yeah. Oh <laughs> that's so sweet. Yeah. That's so cute. <laughs> when your youngest brother who was born here, when he was growing up, did he have kites as well? Uh, no, no, no he missed out on a lot of, a lot. Of, he doesn't very like really identify f- with Pakistani culture as much since he was born and raised here he's kind of just like off in his own little world so I'm sad for him that he missed out on all of that he did visit twice already so he had a great time there but you know you can never really get those authentic experiences from your your country yeah of course it will just be like what your parents and family would share at this point right which I guess that kind of brings us into the topic of our episode the stories and folk tales and oral traditions that your family would have passed down to you Warda, when you were growing up did you hear any legends or stories or folk tales that were told to you by your family or by your parents Oh, tons. There's a lot of um, stories that float around and it's passed on by like your your grandparents to your parents and then from your parents to your cousins and everybody whispers about them. And like, I'm sure you read up on the idea of witches in Pakistan. What is the first thing you think of or what is your own perspective or definition of a witch to you? So mm, that's a good question, actually. So my concept of a witch has been heavily influenced by Western culture now. So right now, especially with listening to the podcast and everything, my idea of a witch is a person who practices witchcraft. But growing up, I guess this answers your question better. Growing up, the stories that we heard about witches, or they're called drills in Urdu, Sorry, I know that it's a different alphabet, but just for our listeners to understand the word better, how would you phonetically spell that in English? So it's spelled, I've seen it spelled many different ways, but that's because the sound in the middle of the word is a consonant, which is a mix between an R and a D, and there's no sound like that in English. So I've seen it spelled C-H-U-R-A-I-L and C-H-U-D-E-L. So if you can kind of like imagine the mix between an R and a D. Mm -hmm. That's something that's always actually fascinated me if I can, sorry, if I can interrupt that in, so the Latin, the English alphabet, we think that we can make all the already existing 
sounds or noises, (laughs) I guess, that I just can't do. Like to simplify it, think of the Spanish, the the rolling of the R's, you know, it's really interesting that there are noises out there that I just can't do or didn't know that I can do. Yeah. What mm-hmm. that mouth do? Yeah, <laughs> different thing. Yeah, and I also think it's cool how like a letter in the alphabet can like represent a specific sound, and mm-hmm. especially when it's a sound that we don't have in our alphabet, like th mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. can be one letter in a different alphabet, like Old English or Norse. They have mm-hmm. that for that word. Is that what happens there as well? Like, so it's pronounced trudel. Um, and even my name, like in English or like in Canada, people generally say Warda, but my family members say Wertha, but mm. my name isn't spelled with a TH in the middle, but the D mm-hmm. sound is pronounced more like a TH. Yeah. Yeah. But like the word for which is even I struggle to say it because I'm kind of losing the very clear pronunciations of things like that over time, which I guess just happens naturally. But like in my family, mm-hmm. I'm out of the siblings, my Urdu is the most fluent. <laughs> so the concept of witches when I was growing up, they're called chudes. And it's funny. I was telling Kayla, it, that's also kind of used as like a playful like insult. So my mom would call me that, like if I was being extra grumpy that day, she'd be like, oh, stop being such a chudev, you know, stop being such a witch about it or whatever. So it's kind of used as a, as a playful insult. So the idea of a witch, they're more, they're seen as more mythical creatures, kind of like a supernatural thing, as if like a ghost would be. Okay. So not necessarily like a person. Yeah. So the biggest difference between the idea of a witch in South Asian culture versus Western culture is that over there, a witch is not a a person who practices witchcraft. It's an, it's a whole other being of its own. And that might vary from region to region because I know there was witch trials and like people accused of witchcraft in Pakistan and like its surrounding areas. But my concept of a witch is a figure of a woman with long, dark hair who takes on a beautiful appearance but switches to something very ugly and terrifying. And the most identifying... So like you when you're hangry. (laughs) Exactly. So you can see where I earned the nickname, right? But, But the most distinctive feature is that in the stories from Pakistan, they're seem to have backwards feet. So they're also called a pichotberi. It's another word for a witch, which basically means backwards footed. So I actually have a story about this. And this is like my earliest memory of hearing about witches. Ooh, I'm excited for story time. My uncle, or I think it was my mom's uncle, he was driving home with his wife late at night from a wedding and over there weddings are like huge festivities or multi-day events and they go on like way into the night and have like hundreds of people there but mm-hmm. I guess it was it was more of a rural area that they were in and so they were driving away from the venue and as they're driving the uncle sees a very like beautiful woman on the side of the road and she looks like she's in distress or she looks like she needs help and he tells his wife 
uh, should we stop? Should we stop for this woman? And the wife looks over and sees her and says, keep driving, keep driving. And he's kind of like taken aback. So he drives even faster a little ways down the road. They see her again and they're both like stunned. And they're like, there's no way this woman could have gotten ahead of us on foot. I have chills. Ew. (laughs) No. (laughs) So yeah. So he's driving. So he, he kind of speeds by her because at this point they're both frightened. And my aunt says, just don't turn around. Don't look back. Don't look back. And they, they speed off. So apparently when they got away from her, my aunt tells my uncle that when she saw this woman, she noticed that her feet were backwards. So apparently when you're driving by them or like when you encounter the witch firsthand, she takes on a beautiful appearance and she'll look like she needs help or whatever, but you cannot turn back and look at them because that's when they take on that ugly like terrifying appearance and it's kind of like that like it kind of reminds me of medusa like how you can't meet her eyes because i think that's when they kind of like they'll stun you and like terrify you or whatever i don't know what the outcome of that would be but i'm not too i don't want to know (laughs) yeah i have goosebumps all over just listening to this story my goodness right you see a beautiful woman and then you glance down and you see her feet are screwed on backwards like yeah yeah. it reminds me of the movie the witch if you've seen it the witch the witch yes basically this movie is amazing it's probably my favorite horror film but it, it's not that scary it's literally just the way it's directed very slow and in they, they speak not old english but basically like a shakespearean english just because of the time it's in Robert Eggers directed Mm -hmm. this and he's amazing. But basically within the story, there are witches that live in the woods and one day a baby is kidnapped. They go looking for him and like a little boy ends up finding a witch. But the witch to him looks like this beautiful woman afterwards in the movie. Like you don't see her like that again. You see her as an old haggish looking woman who basically like butchers people oh my gosh yeah yeah that's so creepy to see like the parallels mm -hmm. of it it's just Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's one of my favorite things is to hear like there's a lot of differences as far as folklore goes around the world but the most interesting thing to me is like how similar things are when they come up like you know how she takes on the beautiful appearance and then turns into this ugly like Mm -hmm. appearance Mm -hmm. like and that kind of makes me think there's no way everybody's just making it up right people have to have encountered witches like or like some kind of creature like this in so many different parts of the world and like these stories they piece them together and they're all kind of similar it just freaks me out you know what's even freakier This is future Kayla speaking. Hey, witch story fans and listeners. After listening to Orda's story, I went to Google an image of this. And what's really creepy is that the backward footed creature is actually seen all over the world in different cultures. I had shivers and goosebumps reading this. Apparently, 
In the Tupi language, there's a Kurupira, C-U-R-U-P-I-R-A, that lives in the forests of Brazil, and they use backwards feet to create footprints, making hunters and travelers confused. Also, in mythology from Europe, described by Pliny the Elder, there are Abrimons or Antipodes, and these are people whose feet are turned backward, but in spite of this, still run at great speed. Furthermore, in Dominican folklore, there's a Ciguapa, C-I-G-U-A-P-A, and this is a mythical creature usually described as looking like a female human with brown or dark blue skin with backwards facing feet. Isn't that so creepy? Okay, guys, back to the story. I just wanted to add that I was reading about it, and apparently the witches that I'm talking about in Pakistan, they come from a kind of a tragic backstory. It's They're said to be women that died in childbirth or had a tragic death. So it's kind of sad oh. hearing that. Hmm. I, I never heard that growing up, so... Yeah, I think it was women that died in childbirth or at the at the hands of their in-laws, which, like, I, I get why you would be trying to terrorize. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> People. Yeah, you're right. It's very interesting seeing the parallels. And it's always, for some reason, a woman who has suffered greatly or a woman who's trying to steal a child. And I think that this may be a tale that a lot of cultures told their children in a way to protect their children. Like for example, if your child goes too far in the forest, maybe they're not afraid of anything, but if you tell this scary story of a woman with backwards feet, that gives them a reason not to stray too far in the forest where there are other dangers like poisonous plants or animals. So I think that's very interesting. We see that in cultures all around the world. But one thing I also thought was really funny, Werda, was when you were saying that your mom calls you a churel when you're like looking a certain way or like in a certain mood. My dad actually, being the Polish one in the family, whenever I had really messy hair or when I was in a grumpy mood, he'd always be like, why are you acting or looking like a Baba Yaga? Like that's what he'd call me. And it's like the same same, same, but different. <laughs> so <laughs> we were both little witches. <laughs> yeah. In my family, witches are like, I guess on my dad's side, just because my grandmama, like she recognizes herself as one in that side, there's never been any like negative light towards that, but she would call me her little witch just, yeah, just because like we were similar in that respect and very like interested in like plants and stuff like that and mm-hmm. divination and different things. No, so yours I've, was nice. Our parents were mine just, was like, nice. You're ugly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although like my father, because he grew up very skeptical, like she used to read his cards and stuff like that, but because she was always right, he like doesn't have them read anymore. And 
the rest of my family, they think it's abnormal or kind of weird. So I think they see it more negatively than positive. So sometimes they would call me a witch and they would meet it in the negative way. (laughs) Just one person called me a witch in like a good way. And also my mom. (laughs) That's so cute. I was just thinking about how Steph was talking about how her grandmother called her her little witch and she was into, you know, plants and medicinal like practices and stuff like that. And I think the way I described the idea of a witch, it's very different from that. But I just thought of a kind of a similarity between the two where a lot of the areas that were less developed in Pakistan are said to be inhabited by witches and spirits, which we call jinns, which is... Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, so Doesn't that mean a genie in some way, right? A jinn is, it's kind of, it's not even specific to Pakistan. It's, um, it's a spirit. It's a, an, an Islamic term. So they believe that these are spirits that worship God and they can be good or evil, but they do exist within humans, but they, they prefer to keep away from people. So a lot of the times the stories about witches and ghosts or evil spirits or like even good spirits, they originate from these areas that were, that are very, very old and don't have a lot of civilization nearby. And the idea is kind of that they want to preserve nature and they want to keep people away because that's their home and the trees, whatever the landscape is there, they want to preserve it and they want to keep people from coming and like developing that area and they just want to keep it for themselves. So I see kind of a connection there where like, you know, the, the plants and I don't want to say vegetation because that sounds kind of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a large wooded area. People say stay away from there because witches or chures are known to live in trees or they just hang out in trees that's another very common characteristic so I grew up being told not to have my hair out when I'm walking around at night because the witches are going to jump into my body which is so creepy but like yeah but I'm going to tell the story of my mom and her siblings so my mom for a short time lived in this huge house in this very old village and people said that there was witches and jinns and spirits that live there and they haven't left because there's not a lot of people living there but the idea was that you have to be very respectful towards them and not disturb the areas that they hang out in and my mom tells me stories and my mom's like not a very superstitious person and she just kind of like you know brushes off these stories and she's like oh like people just say these things to like you know scare you or whatever I love her. She's like no nonsense. (laughs) Yeah, very much so. But like when she talks about it, it literally gives me shivers down my spine because like I just know she's not exaggerating or anything. But she talks about hearing. So anklets are something that's worn by a lot of South Asian women and they usually have little bells on them. So she says she'll hear like anklets running down the hallway in the distance, but there's nobody there. And she would feel someone brushing her hair. My mom has very long hair. Her hair is like down to her knees. And she's always had that her whole life. And she said that she'd be alone in a room and she'd feel someone brushing her hair. And that would freak her out, but she wouldn't react because you're not supposed to be reactive towards them. Oh. And just like things like that, it just, 
Oh, it freaks me out. But I have chills wow. running up and yeah. down my spine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially that your mom's like no nonsense, no superstitious beliefs or anything. It's harder to dismiss because if somebody believes everything, then you're like, oh, whatever, take what they say with a grain of salt. But when somebody like your mom, you know, like that's just so hard to. Wow. Yeah. And like I've heard stories like on my dad's side, um, I've heard stories of a black cat that just roams around the house, which is another thing that, you know, you see a lot in uh, the Western idea of witches is the symbol of the black cat. Mm-hmm. But they claim that there would be a black cat, just like it would appear in different places of the house. And uh, on my dad's side, he grew up in a different place, but it was also a rural area. His grandmother, she would light a candle. There was like a little room on the roof of the house. Um, think of kind of like a storage closet. But every night she would light a candle there and everyone would just kind of like make fun of her for it. And they're like, oh, like you're so superstitious, crazy old lady, like, you know, that's not real or whatever. And But she would persist. She would like go up there to pray. She would light her candle. And then one night she was kind of sick. And it's very common for people to sleep on the roof over there because the weather is nice or whatever. And they just want the fresh air. So she was kind of sick. I think she forgot to light the candle and she slept on the roof. And in the morning, she woke up like horribly bruised, like she was beat up in her sleep. And that freaked the hell out of everybody because she made the spirits angry by not doing the the ritual, like the little candle lighting oh, thing that she oh does. Oh my goodness. Which, yeah. So they can they can get kind of violent, but like that's another story I've heard. But this one story I was telling. Kayla that my mom's brother told her so when they moved away from the village like they moved into the big cities they wouldn't they would visit from time to time so my uncle went back to visit this community and it was quite far from from Lahore so my uncle was staying with his relatives and there's a little village and everybody kind of knows each other there and they have a kind of like a harvest festival around this time I think it's like late summer early fall so they were having this Mm -hmm. festival there and everyone in the little town is just out and about and my uncle was out and just looking around and there's a little carnival too so he was just you know enjoying that so all of a sudden he says that everybody just started running like running for their houses and he's just standing around like looking around like what is going on and uh, a man walks by and he's like, why are you standing here? Run, run. And he's like, why? He's like, oh, just just run home as fast as you can. So my uncle starts running. And then he says that there's like shadows that were cast on, on the ground. And he looked up to see that there was floating figures of women in the sky, just like floating above everybody that was running. And they were holding, I forget the word, but think of like a heavy cast iron skillet or like a wok. They were holding just heavy pots and pans and they were floating towards this one house in the village and everybody's just running for their houses. There's like huge gusts of wind. All you feel is just wind and there's like sand and dust and dirt getting blown everywhere and it's just chaos. So my uncle runs to his house and when he's inside the house, everyone quickly locks the doors and they hear commotion, loud banging, glass breaking, like just lots of noise. And later on, he asked, what the hell was that? Like, what was all of that? And the people, they tell him that apparently anyone who practices black magic is cursed to this fate that the witches come and 
destroy their home by throwing these pots and pans onto their house, (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of funny. But so black magic is very looked down upon, but people do practice it. So if anyone's doing magic to cause harm to another out of, you know, envy, jealousy, whatever the case may be, the witches hate that. So they go and they rain hell upon these people, which I thought was very interesting because they're kind of portrayed as scary, evil creatures, but they... But they're, like, protecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a way. So, yeah. So I found that story very, like, interesting, kind of creepy on its own, but... I'm kind of happy that we're recording this first thing in the morning because if it was nighttime, <laughs> I don't have to light any candles right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, don't worry. Yeah. If you see like a frying pan just come falling out of your ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't practice black magic, so oh, I think we're yeah. good. Um, yeah. But that's an awesome story. Yeah. I yeah. always see like a balance represented I think they can be seen as bad but they're only seen as bad to protect something and that would be the natural world I guess Mm -hmm. and then I've always related that women protecting earth mother earth is called mother earth for a reason just because of fertile lands and fertility and beauty and such things that's a really good story (laughs) And I think it's super like meaningful too, just to make sure people don't stray down the wrong path or harm anybody else or else they're getting pots and pans thrown at them. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's a lot of moral stories in every culture that kind of teach you respect and what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. I would Mm -hmm. write it down and keep that for years to come and even make a little storybook of it because I think that's such a good moral story Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good idea. Over time, the details do get like lost or they kind of get strewn Mm -hmm. away from the original story. So, or the stories themselves are lost, like if there's no one to pass it down. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I think it's funny that it's pots and pans (laughs) that they use. But I love that you said that it's women protecting the earth because. I think Mm -hmm. that where the story originates from, I don't think that it's a random thing that they chose pots and pans I think they chose something that's quintessentially female Mm -hmm. that the women are causing this wrath upon whoever is intending to do harm so yeah yeah not to say pots and pans are no I know (laughs) (laughs) they've been associated with females for centuries right like how you know quote-unquote women belong in the kitchen and whatever you know that that, that's not true of course I I don't believe that but in stories like that it's easy to associate them with that Mm-hmm. also a cast iron pan would do some damage Damage. oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah but two things that I actually picked up on from your story was first of all the idea of a harvest festival in your culture as well I love seeing that that that's all over the world that every season every harvest that it's a time to be celebrated so I love those connections and also your concept of black magic how that's frowned upon and regular I guess it wouldn't be magic but you know using herbs and healing medicines that that's okay Uh, I just want to relate that to I know that in our past episodes we talk a lot about witch trials and there's always the question about how come in Russia 
that there were no witch trials, but magic and the concept of a witch was still alive. And we see there that it was okay to practice, you know, these magics unless you were harming anyone. And I think even in the Wiccan read, we can see the famous saying, and it harm none, do what ye will, which is basically as long as you're not hurting anyone, harming anyone, practice what you would like to practice. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. Or like bring good fortune. There's always some ritual that kind of leads towards that. Bring protection to you and your family and such. Or rejuvenation or a boost in self-awareness or confidence. There are so many rituals that are just positive reinforcement for yourselves and for the people around you. I don't see a lot of that in Pakistan just because since it is an Islamic country, I think any kind of magic is seen as sinful in Islam, it's uh, there's a word for it. It's called shirk. It's basically putting faith in anything besides God. Well, it kind of reminds me of a pope or just anybody in the Christian faith that is very high up in, let's say, a Catholic society. Like they would call somebody who's pagan a heretic uh-huh. just, just because they believe in something other than God. Okay. I, I think that would be maybe a good umbrella term to Mm -hmm. use other than shirk so it's not commonly practiced because it would be seen as controversial but Mm. i think in the northern areas which is another thing me and kayla were talking about i visited a few times as a child because like i was saying it is a very diverse country like there's mountainous regions desert forest anything you can think of there's it's there and so the northern areas have a lot of different ethnic groups and the beliefs vary greatly and I feel like in the northern areas there's more of an appreciation for nature and the medicinal properties of nature and stuff like that so um so the area that I'm talking about specifically is called the Hunza Valley and it's part of Gilgit Baltistan and it's along the Karakoram Highway which is a highway that connects Pakistan to China And over there, you'll find the second highest mountain in the world after Everest. There's a lot of tourism that is centered around there, you know, but people don't really travel there much because political unrest or whatever the case, but people there are kind of working very hard to recreate the image or like change the image that people have of Pakistan. So, and they're fighting for like women's rights and, the literacy rate there is very high. So it's a great region to, to visit. It was absolutely beautiful. It's very well preserved. But I remember going there, the, the locals, they tell you the same thing that I mentioned earlier, not to go too close to the trees at night and not to have your hair out when you're walking out at night because the witches will target you so it was crazy to hear their stories and their kind of their perspective on on the idea of a witch and they had lots of little like folk tales that they would tell you and they're very good at engaging the tourists that go there so yeah the hair thing is really interesting Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. the fact that you can't have your hair out I wonder why that's a thing yeah yeah (laughs) I was curious about that too. There's other little superstitions too. And mm-hmm. like, I've also heard that you're not supposed to cut your nails at night. 
That's but, really random one. Wow. Yeah. But I, I haven't been told that one, but I hear it's a common thing among South Asian people say. Maybe because it was too loud and somebody didn't want to be woken up in the middle of the night 500 years ago from toenail clippings that they just made this haunted story. Witches are going to come get you. And, and the tale just kept getting worse and worse over time. <laughs> For me, I feel like the long hair and the nails can also just associate to something that's very, like, feminine. Like, the characteristics of a witch would be is to have the long hair and the long nails kind of thing. That's so funny that you say that, Steph, because Mm -hmm. I do think it comes from the fact that you're not supposed to flaunt your femininity around them. because Because, like I was saying, they come from this tragic death. So they lost their empowerment as a woman. So I think their motive is to gain it from somebody else. Maybe I might be going for a stretch here, but yeah. That's a good way of putting it though. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was saying the story about my mom's aunt and uncle when they were leaving the wedding. I'm sure you guys have seen when... South Asian people attend weddings, they're decked out in like, you know, these heavy outfits and yeah. <laughs> lots of jewelry and like, you know, so hair beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So, but over there, like you'll see when they leave the weddings, they usually come with like dark shawls or like kind of like a cloak to cover it all up. And people generally say it's to like protect them from being robbed or whatever. But Another aspect of it is that when you go out at night, you're not supposed to be wearing anything flashy or like be all blinged out to attract witches or evil spirits to you. Mm. So, yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that, that you leave in like a black cloak. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that either. That's really interesting. Yeah. I'm really happy that you brought up the the fact that the long hair and the nails are like, a very feminine thing and it's meant to just you know hide that from from the witches so yeah hmm. now my theory seems really dumb <laughs> and I have to edit it out <laughs> leave it in <laughs> no it's funny it's all interpretation right yeah exactly yeah. everybody has a different perspective or an interpretation of everything mm-hmm. they see or hear yeah. Yeah, of course. And that's why I also love hearing these stories. Do you have anything else for us today, Warda? I'm sure if I asked around more, I'd have more stories to tell, but like... Maybe that's a part two for later. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> I want a part two. I want to know these stories. They're awesome. <laughs> they're, like, they're the best ones that I've heard because I didn't grow up with any sort of folklore, really. My grandmother mm-hmm. didn't tell me any folkloric yeah. stories. She just told me like stories about her past. To me, that's not folklore to me. That's just mm-hmm. stories of her own practices. So yeah. it's really interesting to hear them from somebody else. The only way of how I've learned about folklore is just researching and reading from books or online and stuff like that. But to hear them from somebody by word of mouth is amazing. I do have like one more question, I guess. When I was doing some research about witchcraft in Pakistan, it did say, as you mentioned, the mountainous regions, the folklore is very prevalent there. And Mm -hmm. I was wondering if it wasn't just folklore, like I'm wondering that if there are still practicing quote-unquote witches in the mountainous regions 
If I may butt in, they wouldn't be called witches necessarily, perhaps like traditional folk medicines and healing rituals, etc. right? You know what? It does feel like I can't think off the top of my head if there if I've heard of any practicing witches or anything like that. And I tried to look into this too, but it's not very well documented. Just being there, it felt like they're very they take very, very good care of their plants and their wildlife over there. So what we noticed, like even though we were staying at like a hotel or like a resort, you would call it, it was very beautiful. It was like a heart-shaped lake and it had these little like cottages surrounding the lake in this valley and there's mountains all around. So it looks unbelievably picturesque. But the thing, one of my mom's favorite memories from the place too, is that there was such an abundance of fruit. So the locals would come and they'd offer her this fruit and she'd be like, how do you grow? Like, I didn't even think that this was a season for this stuff to grow. And they're like, oh, well, you know, we have our tips and tricks that we like, they channel a lot of their energy into making sure that their area is very abundant. And I wish I was older when I went there so I could ask around a bit more, but I just feel like they're very well connected with nature and like spirituality there. So see that to me being that close to nature and producing all of these plants to me that's magic that's the kind of if I were a little kitchen witch or something a little green witch that's what I would like to do just be able to grow anything I'm curious to know if they they practice anything related to witchcraft or yeah I just think they wouldn't call it witchcraft just because there Mm -hmm. may be some like negative association but every culture or religion does have these kind of traditional rituals methodic ways that are passed down through generations right especially when Mm -hmm. it comes to taking care of their land that area is like very heavily disputed so it's influenced by Pakistan and India and I know from India comes Ayurveda and like they have very strong beliefs in like spirituality and I'm not too familiar with it, but I know that it has a lot to do with plants and medicine and just harnessing like the power of two. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they had a, it had a lot of influence there. So that area has like a lot of culture and like art and yeah, you know, their, their music and their, they're dancing like everything is very different from what you would see in other parts of Pakistan so Mm -hmm. yeah very very interesting and they're even like there's kind of like an easter egg they they have truck art well I guess this is kind of prevalent across Pakistan but you'll see like these huge trucks and they're covered in like colors and different images it's part of their culture to just like decorate them heavily so that even though it's not the great, a truck isn't like the most beautiful thing to look at. But when you see one of these trucks coming down, the like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, definitely. In these like valleys, you'll see this like colorful, like bright little truck puttering along and it's very beautiful. So yeah, I adore that. I love that you can turn really anything into art. I saw a similar thing in Guatemala actually. And I think the surrounding regions like Honduras, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, where they turn old buses, they call them chicken buses, but they make it all colorful and fun. And it's just really beautiful to see. But I love that it's seen in other countries too. So thank you for that little Easter egg gem. 
I just think one more thing before we go, as we're nearing an hour now. Warda and I began to kind of research and talk about this episode a few weeks ago. And when I was looking up Churel, as she mentioned, I saw that a web drama series from Pakistan aired in 2020 with the same name. And it was banned, but it doesn't actually have to do with a mythical creature of the Churel. It actually has to do with some Pakistani women, and they're kind of detective sleuths. And they try to figure out and get revenge on men who have cheated on their spouses. And I think we're going to talk about this a little bit only because it seems like the name Turel, the word for it, it's almost synonymous to a witch or a banshee in which there is a negative connotation, a negative negative portrayal of a woman. But I do love that this web show kind of took back the name with a feminist stance. So I really want to talk a little bit about that before we go. The plot of the show isn't centered around witchcraft or anything, but I think it's funny that they called it this Mm -hmm. just to kind of demonize the empowerment of women because these Mm -hmm. women are banding together to form this like ring of detectives to take down a man. So like I said, it's like commonly used as an insult so they liken mm-hmm. them to a trailer a witch mm-hmm. to kind of like put them in a negative light whereas if you kind of explain the plot of the show to me objectively I would assume that they were the protagonists of the show mm-hmm. calling them that kind of paints them as the antagonist of the show yeah because they called it witches or Tudel, they mm-hmm. question the definition itself mm-hmm. just because mm-hmm. what they're doing is actually a pretty positive thing. Although, yes, like it paints men in a very negative light, but women are banding together and working together to empower each other, like you were just saying. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yes, some people associate the word witch with a lot of negativity, but they're also doing something so positive. So maybe it'll make people question what witches actually are and what it means oh yeah oh i like that so they're kind of like reclaiming the term as something mm-hmm. good yeah, yeah. I, I i totally see that yeah and that's very Seems common so like, badass in the <laughs> it pictures. does yeah i think i mean i think the whole idea is pretty badass to be honest mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and i really like the concept of marginalized people taking the terms that were used to insult them or belittle them and using it themselves to take away the harmful power that the word had yeah well I think that was an amazing note to end on empowerment love it feminism love it getting banned I don't love it but you know at least we're making a little bit of progress um 
Just before we go, I'd like to thank you, Werda, so, so much for coming on to this show. This was an incredible season, and I could not have thanked you more for ending it with such an amazing episode. I think we absolutely love your stories, and I hope we can hear more in the mm-hmm. future. Maybe. Thank yeah, you so much for sharing. Yeah, thank I you really, guys for having me. Literally anytime. please come back (laughs) I'm glad you guys enjoyed always and just a quick message from Steph I just want to wish my witchy grandmama a very happy birthday today oh not it's not today it's tomorrow (laughs) but yeah I feel like people should know that it's her birthday and she's an amazing woman and she deserves all the birthday wishes and blessings and yeah that's it. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday to her. Happy birthday, Grandmama. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, once again as well for listening to our episode today. Please don't forget to rate and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to send us a message, feel free to email us at witchstorypodcast at gmail.com and follow us on social media at witchstorypod. As mentioned, this will be our season finale, but we will be posting on social media and we will be back in just a few short weeks. So hopefully we don't miss you too much and check back in on us because our first episode of next season will be on Hint Hint the Baba Yaga. So take care everyone. We will miss you and all of our love. Bye!